This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and if you don't know, Susan and I, um, we record these podcasts back to back. And so um, I'm going to start with, if you have any questions or any information that you want to get together with a coach from Eat Perform, just see if it's a good fit for you or something like that, just go to www.eatperform, it's E-A-T. T-O-P-E-R-F-O-R-M.com. Um, and then I'm here with, with Sundays with Susan. And uh, Susan, what is your website where people can reach you? It's drskleiner.com. D-R-S-K-L-E-I-N-E-R.com. So what we're going to do for this podcast is a little bit off the beaten track, but I think, it's, I think you guys are going to dig it because... What Susan wanted to talk about was the path of how she became who she is, right? And so kind of talk us through the early days because we were talking a little bit about what you created is something that really didn't exist. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the backstory is that I had been a dancer in New York City as a, uh, you know, sort of younger, starting at 16. I trained at the Grand uh, Institute uh, in the school, uh, came, decided I wanted to go to college, uh, went back to Cleveland, went to a small liberal arts college that was research-focused, got really into biology, and, um, and then uh, got into nutrition as a hobby. And... From there, I found that I could, you know, I was real interested in health, and what seemed the only path back in those dark ages, days, <laughs> um, was to go to medical school. I mean, there was no field of uh, prevention. And so uh, medical seemed to be the path. And so I was applying to medical schools, nothing felt right, and I um, had a, a, a wonderful um, man uh, who was dean of admissions of the medical school at Case Western Reserve University say to me, you know, we teach people how to treat disease. You're interested in health. Go talk to the Department of Nutrition, even though they'd love to have me in medical school. And I just went, oh my God, there's a whole Department of Nutrition. I thought it was just a hobby. So off I went and I very quickly knew internally I wanted to study diet and exercise. And when I went and talked to the chairman of the department, the late Dr. Jan Neville, she said to me, there is no such thing. And there wasn't, she was right. They were, there was some research going on at Berkeley, there was some research going on at Columbia, but there was certainly nothing in between and there was no field within nutrition of sports nutrition, the term didn't even exist. Well, I was determined that that's what I wanted to study. And so I got my master's degree, I became a registered dietitian and I went right back for my PhD to focus on nutrition and exercise. And I had to, there was no professor to be under. I had to find my own connections to do the research. I had to focus all of my coursework when I had the opportunity on, on diet and exercise and looking at the history. And as I'm working through and developing a relationship with the Cleveland Clinic Sports Medicine Department to help me do research over there and find a mentor to teach me exercise physiology. And just, just as I'm working through my doctorate, I found myself curled up on the floor of Dr. Neville's office uh, in a fetal position saying, I'm never going to be able to do this. This is just, this is too hard. 
Um, I don't know where this is going to take me. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Everyone thinks I'm out of my mind. There are no jobs. There certainly are no faculty positions in this. I just, I, I, I'm never going to be able to do this. And she looked at me and she said, Susan, if being a pioneer was easy, everyone would do it. Do you want to do this or not? And, I, and that was, that was interesting. When we talked about this last week, right, the, the language that we talk to ourselves means so much. How long did that consume you? And at, at what point were you able to kind of make some, some inroads? Well, I think the, 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 the peak, I hit the peak in her office. That was, you know, I, I was at my lowest point, if you want to say, um, in her office. And that self-talk had probably been going on for a long time. I mean, we all, you know, as we try to improve ourselves and we are, um, you know, it's funny, my daughter uh, was talking to me about the term fake it till you make it last night and how she just didn't like that, that it had so much negative connotation that you really weren't anything about what you were pretending, you really were pretending. And she said, instead she had heard, and I'm, I'm blanking on where she heard it and it probably is someplace important, but act as if. Oh, it may be like Kourtney Kardashian's new site or something. It's yeah. act as if, um, and act as if you really are this. Um, you know, get it into your bones and, and become it. You are, be, you are really becoming. You're not faking it. Um, although we all, I certainly suffered from imposter syndrome because I was moving into a field that I didn't have a background in, although I had a deep science background that many of my um, fellow students didn't have. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was that sense of imposter syndrome. It was the negative self-talk, I'm not good enough to do this. It was a whole host of things. And yet, I deeply wanted to know this information. I wanted to learn it. And if I had to create it on the way, I wanted to do that. But I didn't know if I had the... I, if I had it, right? I didn't know if I had it to do it. And, and she, what she said to me was, no, it was almost like no one in your position knows whether they have it or not. You either keep going or you stop. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the moment. And for me, when she said, you know, you can hear it, that was the moment. If being a pioneer was easy, everyone would do it. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get that. Let's put all that stuff away. And because, because I really want to do that. And that was a real pivotal moment for me. Um, but I remember that story because I was like everyone else in that moment, as I said, curled up on the floor, feeling like I am never going to be able to do this. So, so I think that that's a, a really good um, way for people to realize that just, just feeling insecure, you know, is normal, right? That, that anyone who's ever been great at anything, 
you know, has those levels of insecurity and really kind of changing that self-talk to, to a, a little bit more positive. Um, but what I want to kind of go into now are some of the breakthroughs, right? Because, you know, I know a lot about your story, but a, a lot of people that don't. And just so you know, if you get a chance, buy New Power Eating. You can go to Amazon.com and read Susan's book. It's in its fifth edition. You can go to Amazon and it could be in your doorstep in two hours if you want to, right? So you'll get to learn more about Susan and her journey. But, but talk to us about some of those breakthroughs because I think that you're, what you're talking about still does not exist. It, you know, you're kind of this, this lone beacon, and I think I, I found you because we have similar messages. But talk about some of the breakthroughs that, that you've seen along the way, and then we'll kind of kind of wrap it up from there. You mean the breakthroughs in sports nutrition? Yeah, I mean, like you, you had this level of insecurity. I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that you're a really secure person in what you do and you know what you're talking about. So talk to us about what was the first time you did something and this happened you see where I'm going? With okay, it? yeah. Well, so this is the next, I mean, sort of, you know, I, I, I go through, I, I accomplished the PhD. I mean, it was a big research project. Like I said, I didn't have, usually when you go into a PhD program, there's, you go into a professor's program, they have a lab, you're under their tutelage, they are showing you the ropes of their research, you take it, you come up with your own question within their body of study, they help fund you. All of, I had zero, right? I had to come up with my own research, my own funding. I had wonderful mentors on nutrition, studying nutritional methodology, the, the, the method of research science within nutrition, but nobody knew sports. There wasn't anyone who knew it within nutrition. I had to develop that uh, as the field of study that I was doing. And what became really interesting to me was muscle building. That was an area that no one was studying. The, at that time, in the very early 1980s, the, the research in starting in nutrition and exercise was on running, right? Jogging, running, cycling, aerobic exercise, cardiovascular exercise. And that went on for a really long time. And I studied competitive male bodybuilders, half that were anabolic steroid users, half that were not. We looked at body composition. We looked at describing diet. And we looked at risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, I submitted, and it was, it was out there. I mean, it was really off, off the beaten path research. I submitted the, the research to the American College of Sports Medicine to present at their annual meetings. And this is like, this would be it, right? This is the, the ultimate accomplishment of, of my mentors and colleagues and people out there who are leaders in the field, um, giving recognition to my initial body of work, what I've done. And I get a review back that says, strength training is not exercise. Bodybuilders are not athletes, and this is too nutritional. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like all of this, I think this is, and there were a lot of really important findings. And I was, by that point, 
so sure that I had something important to share that no one knew, but I didn't know what to do. And so I go back and this is, I cannot impress upon the audience enough to seek out guides, mentors, people who can give you advice, build a network, do something. So again, one of my professors said, well, the American College of Sports Medicine isn't the only body out there. There's the American College of Nutrition. Send it to them. So I send it to the American College of Nutrition, the exact same abstract. I did nothing to it. I send it off to them. I received a Young Investigator Award for my research and a $5,000 research grant. And in 1987, that was a boatload of money to do research. Uh, a $5,000 research grant to um, continue my research and all kinds of notoriety and recognition. And, it, and, and so again, it was this, okay, I may be down, but I'm not out. And I won't accept that I'm out. And so it has been, um, uh, it, it's just a guiding light for me. And, and then I would present my research. And because nobody understood what I was talking about, people would give me this response like, oh, you're studying a bunch of, you know, meathead, bodybuilder, musclehead guys. What do they know? They don't know anything about being athletes. All this really negative response at conferences while I'm speaking at scientific conferences. And this idea that muscle building in strength training isn't exercise. Fast forward, right, to today. Fast forward to where the American College of Sports Medicine today says, if you don't have much time to exercise in a day, although we want you to do both cardiovascular and strength training, on a day that you have very limited time, do your strength training because that works your heart too. And, and so it's, it's been many decades, it's taken a long time, but know what you know, have conviction in what you know. And, and sometimes when everyone else around you disagrees with you, you need to stop and listen. <laughs> Because you might really be wrong, right? And, and, but sometimes you're a different thinker. And, and I don't know how you know when those times are. But for me, um, I knew I had progressed along a system uh, and a method that, that led to good data. And I was confident in that data. And I stuck with it. So... It's interesting because I'm going to do a really good job here of not keeping this about me, but, but the, the message of each form was always that you could go farther with food and work than you can with just less food, right? So let's end with that story, right? Because I know that amounts of food is a big driver for you. When did you start seeing that? When did you start pressing upon that? And then when did you just see like, oh my goodness, I gave that person 1,500 more calories and they changed as an athlete? Well, because performance has been the goal, uh, I created a paradigm very early on. It is the power eating paradigm. As you said, eat more to gain energy, to work harder, 
to burn, to build muscle. And then if you need to lose fat, you will. And that's the outcome of doing all the other things. And you could never work harder with less fuel. It's just physiologically impossible. And so again, sticking with scientific methodology, it, it was clear. And that's what I did. It wasn't, and it wasn't only eat more, but it was eat more of these, of this variety of food that gives you the foundational health needs. It meets those needs as well as the additional needs of your training. And when you could train more, um, or not more volume, um, but maybe greater intensity within the time frame, so not necessarily longer, but harder. Um, I always say, you know, um, uh, sort of uh, don't waste your time in the gym, <laughs> that, that your body be starts to sculpt. And I would, and my, my clients, every single one would sort of drop their jaw at the amount of food I would say I want you to eat. And I'd say then, and I'd say, give me two weeks. Just give me two weeks. That's all I want, two weeks. And even within two weeks, the, or much sooner, I feel better. The, fee, the, the sense, and that I know, um, the change in your brain, how you feel. You've talked about the sense that you can, you have so much more power in your workout. You have a better workout. All of those things, the, that's immediate feedback. And you, 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 it's like, oh, this feels so good. So now you have some, you have a different measure other than looking in the mirror and looking on the scale. You've got this internal measure and it's the internal motivation that keeps you going. It no longer is all external. The scale and looking at your body is actually very external. It's the internal, I feel so much better, that drives you to go on the next day and the next day. And then they'd see, they would start to see within two weeks, most people who are under fueling and then they're really overtraining, they get a, a physical response that they can see. And that combination happened very early on in my career. That was in, uh, you know, well, I, I learned that really from the bodybuilders in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. So, so let's try and keep this to like a sentence or two, because I think, I think it might resonate with people more. Um, why do you need more protein? Oh, because your body needs to repair and grow. Right. And so why do you need more carbohydrates or do you need more carbohydrates? Oh, yeah, because that's what fuels your exercise. It's going to fuel your intensity. And then um, why do you need more fats? More fat is functional fuel, right? So fat is, is important for... Um, the, the functions of an essential nutrition, but also um, the lining of your whole central nervous system, the, uh, the, 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 your joint protection, um, protection of your, your organs, um, anti-inflammation anti in the brain and the body. There's the right fats, of course. And so, so, so I look at carbohydrate as performance fuel, and fat 
yes, it is, it's, and, and carbohydrate is fast fuel, high intensity fuel. Fat is slow burning, low intensity fuel. It's also functional fuel. Um, you know, I was reading something that, that talks about this and talks about high performance athletes and that the majority of their training happens in what is referred to as like the greens or at least that's what this person and that was really kind of low intensity. Now, high performing athletes, their low heart rate is, you know, they, they just perform at a low, better at a lower heart rate than, than most people, right? And so at that point, they're using fat as fuel, but, but even, even in the case of many of us, fat gets used as fuel when walking, going throughout the day, things of this nature. And so we're gonna end on this note, because I feel like you did a really amazing job explaining to us that, because I think we all kind of needed that. I don't know why we didn't do this as one of the first podcasts, but there's a lot of people that are listening to this going, but I eat low fat, or but I eat low carb. And the reason why you eat low fat, or you eat low carb, or you eat a high protein diet is because someone has chosen for you to take away calories and they've chosen it by either low fat or low carb or higher protein, right? But what gets lost in that message and the message that I think Susan just told you is that when you don't, when you are dieting all the time, right? Just do what she said, right? Just go, just go have an adequate amount of protein for two weeks. Go have some good carbohydrates, some, some, some um, whole grains, some, some sweet potatoes, you know, and then have some, some good fats that allow for a great foundation as it relates to calories and go work out and tell me that you're not better. And tell me that if you did that, for the rest of your damn life, you wouldn't be better as a human being. This was the concept of our podcast last week, and this is what we're going to end right now. Are you a dieter, or are you a mom, or are you a PhD, or are you a dad, are you a CrossFitter, are you an Olympic athlete? Who are you? Quit defining yourself by the five pounds that you need to lose and start defining yourself by how freaking awesome you can be, right? And I didn't want to say freaking, but I did because of you, Susan. <laughs> All right. I appreciate everybody listening. Anything you wanted to end on that note? No, I'm all in. All right. Talk to you later, and you have a great weekend. Bye, everyone.